you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everybody. Today's episode is supported by Kronos. No one compliments you when their paycheck is correct, but make one mistake and you risk alienating your entire workforce. Yuck. Kronos makes sure that your payroll is done right the first time. From punch to paycheck, embedded checklist, simplified workflows, a single source of truth. Learn more at Kronos.com slash payroll. Kronos, K-R-O-N-O-S dot com slash payroll. Kronos, workforce innovation that works. Did a couple live shows and now think they're famous. Now calm down. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis and I'm joined in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler is back. Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. That intro hit a little too close to home. Yeah, that that cut a little bit. Um, Mark Sessler, welcome back. Thank you. Did the Browns comeback victory over the Jets, which I'm still salty about. It is the only reason I have yet to read your wonderful, or what I'm told, long long form about the Cleveland Browns and your lifelong fandom is because I'm not ready to touch the Browns after Thursday. But forget about that. For you, that must have been life-giving. Does that explain your comeback after the blood clot issue on Sunday? Uh, It does explain the the comeback. The other is a change in thinking. I think I've told you guys for years that – I had something of a fantasy where I hoped I would enter into some sort of low-level accident or health issue yeah, you've, you've that would put me into a lot. hospital for months. I could just read books, uh, you know, just take put the foot on the brake a little. And I have reversed my thinking. Uh, it was quite unenjoyable, and I much more enjoy doing this. Do you think the big guy, <laughs> big guy upstairs, uh, was was smiting you a little bit there? Might have might have been giving me a little preview of my so-called wishes and saying you might not know. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> well, it's good. To, it's point. it's great to have you back, Mark. It wasn't uh, the same without you last week, and uh, being at full strength and uh, here in Culver City for a Sunday of NFL action. This is what we do best. And what do we do? You know what we do, Greg. Everybody knows what we do we on ta- Sundays. We talk about fifteen games. We talk about fifteen football games in a row, straight through, with a little bit of help from our friend downstairs, Nick Shook, who will be here in a little bit, and we're going to go through. Uh, the entire schedule of, of games and close it out with a Sunday night affair between the Detroit Lions and the New England Patriots. Uh, anything else we have to get off the books before we get into uh, the flagship program? I was just going to say, as it turns out, agonizing pain is not a good way to replace football. No, it is not. But I will say, what? look at this cardigan. Is this a cardigan that Wes is wearing? I think it they is. call it a cow neck sweater. It is. <laughs> Some high octane. It's just certain things that Wes was not wearing before he met his current fiance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that just have crept into the <laughs> wardrobe, and uh, some of them have kind of that preppy look to it. I mean, it's an interesting narrative, and it's surprising. That's, no, it's not a narrative no. because we we were given, and we'll get into it. One of a future sponsor offered us a chance to purchase some clothing online, and I just went in and ordered a hoodie and an incredible pair of male underwear. 
And what did Wes do? Wes said, I need to confer with the oh. Paramore before I make my purchase. Ooh. Like, I don't know. I just go buy this. It's thing. funny. Cause Wes bristles at a lot of narratives, but this is the one that I'm most surprised that really gets under his skin. That, that somehow <laughs> It doesn't Paramore really get under possible. my skin. It's just that it's only half true. Like, a lot of the clothing that I've bought, she's getting credit for. But I, I will concede <laughs> that my fashion um, appears to have increased for the better. <laughs> wow. It's evolving. Yeah. I'll bristle at your narrative. That's a common refrain from West these days. <laughs> that was a non-apology apology. <laughs> uh, why I'm do sorry I have that to apologize you were offended. <laughs> why am I apologizing? Uh, all right, so we're going to go through all the games. Save it for the Bills game. Why, yeah, why don't we start? We'll get to the Bills game uh, shortly, but why don't we start with the great shootout of week three? Line and Camara behind Breeze. Breeze going to try and dive over, and he does, and that's the ball game. That's it. <laughs> a decisive end. <laughs> the call from WZGC West Durham. Put that in the list for, I mean, the short list for a potential call of the year. It's going to be hard to top it. I know because Alvin Kamara, they thought he scored, so it was almost a matter of fact situation. But Economy of words. <clears throat> All right, guys. Drew Brees' one-yard run captain 80-yard touchdown drive to open overtime lifting the New Orleans Saints to a 43-37 win over the Falcons. Greg, this was a classic shootout between two great talented quarterback, potentially two Hall of Famers, at least one. Matt Ryan threw five touchdown passes, but the Saints are the team that won that overtime co coin toss, and they didn't look back. It is remarkable to see one of the top quarterbacks in the league in Drew Brees be paired with a top three running back, a top three receiver, and just see those three guys dominate together. Breeze is so sharp in this game, and sometimes it just comes down to situations. And the Saints handled uh, the situation at the end of the first half where they got three points, and then at the end of the game uh, where they ended up getting one stop on the Falcons better than Atlanta. Otherwise, you couldn't find a stop in this game, but there was a third down when Atlanta got the ball back with the game tied late in regulation, and I think everyone watching the game just figured Atlanta's going to go down and kick the game-winning field goal. Tevin Coleman does not pick up the blitz well. Oof. Matt Ryan gets furious at him. He had an open receiver over the middle, and then the Saints win the coin toss, and once they won the coin toss, it felt like Super Bowl 50 one again. That's the right number, right? And where I just was like, there's no way the Falcons are getting a stop because the Falcons' defense is a mess without Keanu Neal, without Deion Jones. For this game, they were without Tack McKinley, and then Ricardo Allen also suffered a serious injury. There was Damn. just no way they were going to stop the Saints. I actually felt that they were a little lucky even to be in this game. This happens like... Uh-oh. Somebody... I bet against the Saints. I... You bet? You well, don't do bad. that. The picks. Well, yeah, in this, did not lock it yes, up. I did not lock it up. Um, I, this happens at least once a year where I feel like it's time for everybody to, to understand how great Drew Brees is, and he did set an NFL record today. He now has more completions than anyone, and that's a kind of accounting stat. But it's a remarkable stat. And then setting up this game and did a little research, Drew Brees has never won an MVP. He might retire with every record in the book. This is a 40-year-old quarterback that went toe-to-toe -to -toe again with Matt Ryan, who won the MVP a couple of years ago, and won. And I just want to point out one specific play. So he went over the top to win the game. Didn't impress 
the Saint, Saints radio network, but I was impressed by that. Uh, an, an old man jumping over the line like that. But it was the play that tied the game. Uh, 37-30, Saints are down about five and a half minutes to go, and Drew Brees is in the open field with two Falcons defenders converging, does a spin move, and gets in the end zone. Here's what he had to say about it after the game. At some point, I felt like they were coming to try to take my head off, and I could probably spin out of this, and uh, it was just a reaction. Um, but I keep telling my flag football team that, like, spin moves are good, and, they, and, and they're not getting it. They're not believing me. So I'm glad that happened because now I have video evidence to show them that, hey, spin moves work. Spin moves are good. Drew Brees is an obvious first bout Hall of Famer, um, but – this isn't baseball. Nobody pays attention to counting stats in football for a reason. You can't compare across eras. You can't compare with the dome because it's like playing in Coors Field as a baseball player. It's such a big advantage for offensive stats. So Drew Brees doesn't need anyone to say he's got these stats. He belongs in the Hall right. of Fame. He's going to the Hall of Fame regardless. Right. He, and he's always been, unfortunately for him, kind of the third guy. He was the third behind Brady and Manning. Now he's kind of been the third behind Brady and Rodgers when people think of the two. But he has been so sharp. I really, watching this game, even though – Matt Ryan's numbers are insane, and he played well. He had 374 yards and five touchdowns. I just watch it thinking, like, Breeze is so much sharper. He's the guy that you want. And then you look at some of the stats for Thomas. Michael Thomas has 38 catches on 40 targets this year. Wow. That's I feel it. like we're not talking enough about him, even though right. it's, he constantly gets highlighted in the statistical packages and stuff. You call him a top three receiver. It felt What's like that, a, a 95% catch right. rate? It felt like a miracle any time that the Falcons' defense got the Saints to third down. It was one of those games where, like, if it was a, you know, an eight-yard gain, that felt like a win for the Falcons' defense. And then Alvin Kamara, who we take for granted a little bit now, too, just because he's been around 31 touches that. in this game, 195 yards from scrimmage. I was thinking they need a little more depth, but maybe you don't need that much more. Ben Watson did step up for them today, and that made it difficult. One quick thing. Seven touchdowns scored in the second half and overtime. I come away concerned with both defenses still. I mean, yeah. especially Atlanta, who's been you know absolutely ravaged right up the middle of their defense. Yeah, Calvin Ridley was awesome for them, but I think the Falcons now with two losses to, to big NFC teams have to be a little worried because some of these guys aren't coming back. Hopefully the Ricardo Allen injury isn't too serious. Let us move on. Mahomes in the pocket, peeling away, being rushed. Now peels back to his right, trying to keep the play alive. Pump faking, fires it late. It's caught in the back of the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. Chris Conley with the catch, but Patrick Mahomes with Mahomes magic. There you go, Mitch Holdis. You can count on him. 101 The Fox and the Chiefs Radio Network. Superman, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, finished with 314 yards and three touchdowns, including that brilliant scramble in connection with Chris Conley. Uh, in the end, it was another big win for the Chiefs. Final score, 38-27. to 27. That sets an NFL record, by the way, for Mahomes, who has 13 touchdowns this season in three games. No interceptions. Uh, not all the quarterback news was a good one, though. Jimmy Garoppolo suffered a left knee injury that the team fears is a torn ACL, crushing a uh, tough setback for the Niners, and another eye-opening performance. For the West, uh, for the Chiefs, Wes. Sort of reminds me of the two South 2007 Patriots in this way. As far as the credit being so widely placed, you would hear, you would watch the 2007 Patriots, and some former lineman would point out, "This doesn't happen unless Brady's got all day to throw." And then someone would point out, "Wes Welker's redefining the slot position." Someone would say, "Josh McDaniels is awesome as a play caller." With the Chiefs, you have all of these things. Tyreek Hill is in the Randy Moss role. 
Mahomes is in the Brady role. Andy Reid's execution. They're so the Chiefs are facing busted coverage on more plays than any team in the league. Mm. There are run there are receivers wa- running wide open throughout every level of this defense. They haven't even had to establish a, dr- a ground attack in any game this year. He's because thrown, why bother? He's thrown a touchdown to nine different receivers, which is a veteran quarterback type of rapport with your targets. Through and three weeks, and the record is 13. It, it's incredible, and they just have the vibe, because the Chiefs are a team that you do expect through the Andy Reid era to open strong a lot of times, and then they're going to give you what they give you on the second half of the season, but that was with a different quarterback and a lot of times with different weapons. This has the vibe of a 15-1 and team that Whoa. will ch- – Well, you're their, gonna, their defense you're challenging. Terrible. Their defense might be terrible, but you've got to challenge – teams are going to have to figure out a way to, to stop this. Right. And last one guy, did. there's three other guys. And last year they did find a way for a while. Different quarterback. But right now it feels like the Chiefs are lining up with 13 players versus your 11. Right. The the play where Mahomes doubled back a few times and then scrambled and kind of three-quarter armed through the touchdown early in the game. It's like I don't know if any other quarterback in the league can make that play. Or make Certainly make that throw. Maybe Aaron Rodgers can make the throw, but I don't know if he even is nimble enough to get to that point. Uh, it, it's just amazing to watch him. I want to point out that he underthrew Tyreek Hill on what could have been a long touchdown and overthrew Demarcus Robinson on what could have been a long touchdown. Sucks. But then they scored touchdowns anyway. They scored all f- <laughs> on all five of their first half positions for the first time in franchise history. They scored touchdowns. And, and through the first two weeks, he had touchdowns that were unscored based on drops and stuff too. It's like, honestly, he could have his, his numbers could be even higher. I mean, and then you flip side it and – the night it's two off-season narratives. One where the Chiefs came in off, all off-season, you thought it might be a little bit of hot air, even though you like the idea of Patrick Mahomes, how much they believed in him, and then it's paying out. And then the Niners off-season, which was a hype train flying out of control, and now you've lost your quarterback. And the only really teams that can complain are the teams that lose their starting quarterback because injuries happen to everyone. Right. And now your season is effectively over. The most frustrating thing about it, too, and, and a torn ACL early in the season, it, it's just terrible, and you feel for – Garoppolo, uh, James Palmer actually had video in the in the tunnel of uh, Garoppolo being taken in the cart and meeting with his family, and you just imagine how how crushing that must have been. But it also happened on such an unnecessary play where he's scrambling, gets out of the pocket, picks up yardage. He could have stepped out, but instead. Almost inexplicably, he plants his left leg and tries to cut up field to collide with the defender. Wasn't the first time in the game he did that, And it's when he planted that leg uh, that it went. And, uh, you know, it's all part of the learning curve of a quarterback. And unfortunately for Jeremy Garoppolo, it's probably going to cost him a season. We don't know for sure. But uh, Kyle Shanahan said the team fears it. uh, And usually you could. Such a bummer because kind of takes the 49ers out of the. Yes teams that you want to watch each week. They're going to be in some primetime games. I was curious to see how this was going to go because I think he struggled. We talked about that the first couple weeks. I don't know how he looked you know, today, Wes, or, or what your takeaways were, but just to, to lose him at all, it's like they have no chance without him. He didn't play as well as his numbers. He's still holding the ball. He was still holding the ball too long and doesn't didn't feel like he was trusting what he was seeing, but after the Chiefs jumped out to a big lead, he, he started to move the offense more. Um, but you're right. He it's a small sample size thing, and I think he's probably going to be saved by the numbers because after three games, he's going to have a 90 passer rating, eight, eight yards per attempt. The film doesn't look quite that good, but I don't think it's going to be a narrative that he was terrible this year. Greg, how many C.J. C. J. Beathard games are we going to end up watching? Who's their third-string quarterback? I should know this off the top of my head, but this the answer would be 13 You know, if he stays I think healthy. his name is Nick Mullins. 
I mean, no, what, but I mean, is there prime time? How many, how many times are you gonna have to watch this? Oh. By the way, there is. I did uh, what immediately did flash to my mind as a Jets fan was this was the case of not trading Teddy Bridgewater. I was gonna ask you that. What would have happened then? Could you have gotten? Well, because he's on a one-year deal. It's not like you have to suddenly have a budding heads at quarterback. It would have. He could have slid in right perfectly for the Niners. He's on Monday Night Football two times. They could flex him out of his uh, Sunday Night Football. He's on Thursday Night as well. So that's at least three. But you do have you know that membership down in the lab and to do. Do that, you're gonna have to watch some Bethard. <laughs> Next game. I knew there was a benefit now. for me here. <laughs> they pitch it out to Albert Wilson down the far sideline. 50. <laughs> He's gonna go the distance. Albert Wilson high five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> what a play call again! A gay old time <laughs> for the W. QAM Dolphins Radio Network. Love it. Uh, get nervous, Mercury Morris. The Miami Dolphins cannot stop winning. Albert Wilson threw a 52-yard touchdown pass on a trick play and scored on an even longer touchdown on a catch and run, lifting the Dolphins to a 28-20 win over the winless Raiders. Nick Shook is here. He's back. He's jacked. He's happy about his Browns. Here we go, Shook. The Dolphins 3-0 for just the third time in the last 20 years. And the Pats are on deck. You buying in? Not yet. Okay. Uh, one of the weirder 3-0 starts. Uh, you you have to wonder if they'd be 3-0 if they hadn't faced a Jets team with Sam Darnold, you know, making rookie mistakes Ouch. Um, here and there. And a Raiders team that cannot finish a game. Three weeks now, they well, the Rams game, they got blown out in the fourth quarter. But the last two weeks, they have not been able to hold on to their leads and finish games on the road, and, and it's starting to become a point of frustration if you're a uh, Raiders fan, and, and especially in this job. And it comes yeah. on the same day. They've blown a, a second-half lead in all three losses, and uh, and the news this morning was uh, that there's some friction in, in, inside the building about Gruden's guys versus maybe Reggie's guys. Or I feel like we had that guys. news story four or five months ago, but that's Right. Fine. None of this is surprising, but, yeah, this is uh, – 0-3, it's a worst-case scenario, Shook. Yeah, uh, but, you know – there's a lot of season left, I guess, next week. You get the Browns. So, hey, maybe the Raiders get their first win, or maybe not. I mean, on the Dolphins side, though, uh, more of the same when they got things going in the second half. You know, they, they hit some struggles early defensively, letting Jordy Nelson run wild, which I felt like we were in a throwback about four or five years ago. <laughs> and uh, and But offensively, you know, Tannehill to Stills is still a thing. Uh, you know, three connections today for 61 yards, including a 34-yard touchdown pass. And the real hero of the day was Jakeem Grant. Had a couple touchdown receptions, including a touchdown pass from wide receiver Albert Wilson. Actually, they could kind of compete for it because – Bert had his own touchdown reception later in the game mm-hmm. to ice it as well. That was the play that the, the announcers were reacting to as if it was like Eddie Murphy raw in like 1984. <laughs> they were all wearing red uh, leather jumpsuits. <laughs> Biggest the comedy The Dolphins ever. are such a weird yeah. 3-0 and team. They deserve credit. Tannehill has avoided mistakes. He's mostly made smart decisions. He's had some key runs over the last couple weeks. But this is another game, kind of like the seven-hour game. That's just it was. It's odd to run 39 plays compared to 74 for the Raiders and have half as many first downs, but but they find a way to win. And Adam Gase has something going on in one-score games. He's 16-5 and five in one-score games in his time in Miami. So they find a way to win these close ones. So I was going to say, I thought the, the Raiders are one of the weirdest teams in, in memory yeah. because all offseason you hear John Gruden telling you, this offense will run through Amari Cooper. I will turn Amari Cooper into what everyone believes he should be. 
and he's completely shut down by Xavier Howard today. One of the reasons you get Jordy Nelson from half a decade ago suddenly making all the plays for a team that feels like it's shotgun from a cannon from 2006. I don't know what to say about this Raiders team. The thing about but that, I just did. The thing about that though is that went away after the early parts. I mean, they adjusted and 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 you know were able to stop that. But it's a clash of the weird because you have the weird Raiders team, and then you have the Dolphins who have won three weird games in a row. Xavier Howard is really good. They have a lot. Absolutely. The Dolphins' defense has a chance to be really good. Robert Quinn looks like a totally different player. Minka Fitzpatrick is is good. Kiko Alonso seems to turn it on every three years or so, and he started <laughs> this year like on fire. They can be Hate a good defense. Uh, and the cynic in me, and maybe it's just the Jets fan, and I don't like to say nice things about the Dolphins, is <laughs> they they seem to be exhibiting all the signs of the team that gets out of the gate fast and then fades. But I can't, I can't get too – you can't be hard on a team that's 3-0. and They took care of their uh, business, and that's it. I think that Dolphins fans should note that at least half of this studio is bashing them and not believing in them and saying they might be frauds. I didn't say. Well, I mean, it, it's, a, it's, it's a defensive <laughs> team. That's the way defensive teams usually are. They're kind of weird. Wes, what's going on? I don't there? buy them. He from has a, a whole thing with Dolphins fans. I don't now. buy them for a minute. Right. But I mean, what? Why kill a team that's knocking off bad teams? At least it, you're, they, did, you're, they did their job. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're 3-0. You know, they're st- they're sitting pretty. Let's move on. Mariota takes the snap, running himself. He's got the first down to the 35, to the 40, to the 45, and he's taken down at the 48. That is the maestro, Marcus Mariota. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The maestro, Marcus Mariota. uh, Titans radio with the call there. Marcus Mariota replaced a concussed Blaine Gabbert, led three field goal drives. Enough for the Titans to knock off the host Jaguars, 9-6 on Sunday. The Titans have beaten the Jags three straight times, and Mariota now has five wins and seven tries against the defending South champs. Nick Shook, explain the Jaguars to me. Last week, they looked Super Bowl-ready against the Patriots. Today, the Toilet Bowl! The first thing I've written atop my notes, in all caps, a whole lot of nothing. That's what this entire game was. Mm. Offensively, for the Jaguars, Blake Bortles would find a guy occasionally, and he'd drop a pass. And then he'd have a guy open, and he'd overthrow him. And it was just a whole lot of people not doing their jobs offensively. And I couldn't figure out throughout this game whether this was the Titans' defense playing well or the Jaguars just not executing. And the only part they really executed in for most of the day was on the ground game with TJ Yeldon, who was fighting through an injury and had to come out for, for uh, you know spaces and time in that game. So they couldn't establish anything. And the result is six points. Uh, they, they tried to fake punt twice. It didn't work. I mean... That's the kind of day it was. I feel like the football gods say, if we're going to give you Falcon Saints, we're also going to give you <laughs> Titans Jaguars. You can't have you can't have something less than this. You have to have a nice little six to three, six to nine type game. The Saints outgained this game by eighty yards <laughs> by themselves. Oh by themselves? Yeah, just just them. Yeah. Someone it, should point out that Titans own the Jaguars. Yes. For whatever reason, they match up well with with a better team. Yeah, but can we do that since there's a new coaching staff in Tennessee? I who expected as them to win this As long as Darrell Casey's just talking his smack after every game, which he did after this one. And West, you know, was the guy who putting kind of the the governor onto the Blake Bortles hype throughout the week, just saying, like, that is who Blake Bortles is, is having one great week and then having an, the next week where I think he was – I think he had 64 yards at halftime on 18 attempts. It doesn't matter because this game wasn't on national TV, so it won't ever be part of the conversation. Can, we- I, just, can I just say <laughs> this, too, about Marcus Mariota, like – he is he is the franchise still for the Titans, right? At yes. this point. Yes. How how is it then that he's not healthy enough to start the game, but healthy enough to come in? 
Like, well, if he's your franchise, he either can play or he can't. I would think that he should should not even be in this game if he can't grip a football. I think the backup plan came into order when Blaine Gabbert got knocked out because then they still want to win the game, and they did end up winning the game, but their okay, next best option is— It is an odd situation, though. It's strange. They're, they're saying that it, he can't make it any worse and that it hurts his accuracy and some of his— you know, velocity that yeah. he can't grip it. But it is uh, it, it is strange, and it's also strange, like, he's winning these games against the Jaguars, often with his legs. He re- he rushed for 51 yards today, and in a game where that's that was kind of the key on his three field goal drives, he, he does have something to these Yeah, but all I'd say is everyone listening to this show right now has had the moment where you've fallen asleep on your couch on your arm and you wake up, and you can't even feel anything from the shoulder down. Like, that's, I don't, that's not who I want sports. throwing the football for my team, just throwing it out there. If you recall, this happened to yeah. Carson Palmer a few years ago where he had a nerve problem with his throwing arm, and he had to sit out for a while. I, I think Mariota, as a fran- as their franchise quarterback, is open. It, they have a two years really to decide on his fifth year option. But I don't, I, you know, I think that's we'll see. Let's slow down on Maestro though. My, if, uh, Maestro is someone who's flamboyant. Is it maestro or Maestro? They're eccentric. Yeah. They're running the room. This guy is one of the more, and I, he's hardworking. I like him, but he's one of the more bland personas in all the league. Maestro is not the, the nickname we're going with. Listen, him. you go on the road and you shut down the Jaguars and you get a win. Again, same thing with the Dolphins. I give you credit. Here's your lollipop, but don't tell me the Titans are exciting when this again this type There's, of football we've been seeing. Their early defense on. is better than people think. There is something too the the way that they've won those two games to put that in the bank kind of early in the season. You were talking a little Patriots in action. these crazy in these crazy ways. I think that is it's a great foundation, a way to kind of start All the right. season. You just got to get better at. at you were comparing them to early Patriots. I was saying stuff. Mike Vrabel as a head coach is probably he would probably love to win a game no other way than the last two weeks. Like, Shouldn't we be giving this coaching staff? Right. To be going through so many tackle and quarterback issues and still winning games? Well, the last one didn't get it done, so yes. You, you guys aren't excited by 100 yards passing? No? Oh, we are. Not no? generally. Thank you, Nick no Shook. <laughs> Great to see you again. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Congrats on your new dynasty in Cleveland. I'm flying high. America's you should. With you. Can't be Good touched. for you. Nick and I are holding hands through the sky. <laughs> I, I do like Dan's role as the only American rooting against the Browns. Unbelievable. Only <laughs> I, the Jets. The second half of that game... Sorry, Mark, but was the first time my heart truly rooted for the Browns since I've known you. I don't take offense to that. I, I think you had no reason to previously. Uh, let's hear from our sponsors. ADT. ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. Explore the vast number of things you could do with your secure smart home, like... Game day service and ADT automation that unlocks the front door for friends who arrive at your game for the place while you'll start out, still out getting snacks or home run service. Get it? You're picking up on a trend here, which lets you check in on your home's cameras even while you're in the nosebleed or even goalkeeping service. You guys following this? Uh, which lets you close your garage door while you're at your kid's soccer practice to help criminal keep criminals and critters on the sidelines. Visit ADT.com slash smart to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you. Uh, game day service, home run service, goalkeeping service. I mean, one key aspect to not getting um, nabbed by a robber is to be at your house at times. Because right. robbers are casey. Never leave. Right, so this guy's constantly somewhere else. Friends are coming over with snacks, children, soccer game. Just be at your house once in a while. I like snacks. All right, back to the games. <laughs> Allen, going to throw it. He's got a man wide open at the six, and he's caught into the end zone. Touchdown. It is Jason Crew wide open. Touchdown, Buffalo. 
John Murphy, WGR with the call. The Bills entered week three as a 17-and-a-half-point underdog against the Vikings. The desert lies! Josh Allen played like a trusty veteran, accounting for three touchdowns in his first road start. The Bills shocked the Vikings, 27-6 in Minneapolis. Mark Sessler, what the f***? Listen, that's the perfect way to open this because – the, the thing that concerns me the most for the Vikings, outside of the fact that you manage 14 rushing yards and are dominated by the Bills' defense all day long, is that these, these games happen where someone rolls in who shouldn't even be in this game, and they get a little 17 to nothing lead like they did off of a very bad start for Kirk Cousins. With a couple strip sacks, short fields for Buffalo, they managed 17 points out of it. You still had 45 minutes if you're the Vikings at home to wind your way out of this and you found no way to do it. This wasn't a fluke, this game, on its own, in the sense that Josh Allen finally played in a way that we hope he used his legs. He did not make killer mistakes. He did have an interception that was dropped. But then Kirk Cousins in the second half turns around and throws a killer pick. They never found their way in this game. And now you have a short week. I don't know if they were looking past the Bills because on Thursday night you have to deal with the juggernaut that is the Los Angeles Rams. But if you did look past them, and there was a moment in this game where Mike Zimmer was caught by Tracy Wolfson of CBS saying, oh my God, it's 27 to nothing. (laughs) You were caught off guard in this game. And it is a hyper-concerning footnote in week three for this Vikings team to have this happen. It's very, I think it's extremely troubling loss. And, uh, you know, I, I said it even before the season started, that the Vikings were on my radar a little bit as a team. Keep an eye on them because everyone had them penciled in to be a juggernaut again this year. And maybe they will. Maybe this is just a bump in the road. But also there's so much pressure on this team to build off last season and to me, this is a loss. I kept on waiting. I didn't get a chance to watch this yet, but I kept on waiting. I saw 10 nothing. Okay, blip on the radar. They'll get back in. 17 nothing. What? 24 nothing. And then I lose track of the game. We get back to it. It's midway through the fourth quarter, and they still don't have a point. And you just, you're wondering how the hell a team that has this much talent could be that badly outplayed against such a poor team, missing LaShawn McCoy. I wish we still had the um, – I wish you weren't a liar drop. Because Mike Zimmer insisted after the game they did not overlook the Bills. <laughs> and I think that's exactly what happened here. But credit to the Bills. My apologies for treating them like a laughing stock. And Josh Allen, I, w- I was so happy to see him play well because people have written him off, and he is so talented. So I, my mind is open on him. I just didn't think they had enough surrounding talent, but their defense must have been a buzzsaw today. And, and we've, we've talked about it. I don't think – there's that much of a difference on a, on one day between professional teams. That's why there hasn't been an upset this big, according to Vegas, in so long. It's because there aren't lines that big. Because Jerry Hughes is collecting a $10 million paycheck, and he's a professional, whichever team he's on, and he happened to have one of the most insane days, you know, according to ESPN stats that anyone's ever had. He had 15 pressures. The what? Mo- is the most <laughs> since Next Gen Stats has been keeping that as an official wow. stat who in was, one day. Who was blocking him? Right. So he he goes crazy. Lorenzo Alexander has a monster Eric day. Flowers. Tremaine Edmonds, <laughs> who's been kind of a uh, had a tough start to his career. The first couple games plays well. And we remember that, hey, this Bill's defensive staff did pretty well. And that, that to me is almost the more surprising part of – this equation is that their defense, the Bills, that is, who had really struggled, played this well for four quarters. Well, I wasn't here last week, but it was two weeks ago that you mentioned that Sean McDermott is a guy that does find a way to dig out of holes, and he's done it before. And what a scenery-altering win, because this felt like a guy who could have been out of the league in eight <laughs> weeks. It Things kept on the way they were. They looked like the worst team that we'd seen in many years, and suddenly this happens. It's a completely unpredictable league. 
just crazy. That's one of the bigger upsets you'll see this season, if not the biggest. Unless the Vikings aren't as good as we thought. We shall find out. Let's or it's on. just one week. Or it's just one week. Let's find out. Flacco play action. Rolls to the right. Being chased. He tucks. He wants to run. Flacco turns a corner. He's got the first down to the 25-yard line. And with 2.36 left to play, the hay's in the barn. Ah-ha! The hay, indeed, is in the barn. Of course, that is Jerry Sandusky of WBAL. Uh, Lamar who? Joe Flacco scrambled to his right, got where he needed to go. First down, locked up the Ravens. 27-14 win over the Broncos in Baltimore. Flacco was efficient, not flashy, and the Ravens' defense held Case Keenum and the Broncos uh, under 300 yards of total offense. Um, I wouldn't say that this was the most memorable game. It's not a game that when you gentlemen uh, fire up your Game Pass accounts are going to – it's going to blow your minds. But this is a Ravens win. This is what the Ravens do. And when the Ravens are right, uh, they get enough from their offense, and their defense does the job, and that's exactly what happened here. Denver, after a, a, a pretty good start, uh, just could not get anything going. I mean, they uh, – I think they were up 14 nothing in this game and then had – Punt after punt after punt after punt, or they put up 14 points. Wasn't the there a punch mixed in, mixed in there with the punts? Yes, there was a punch by super rookie uh, Philip Lindsay after a uh, Case Keenum was stripped uh, by Terrell Suggs, who's still making plays at age 35, uh, and there was a scramble Hasn't on the Terrell ground. Terrell Suggs been 35 for four years. I, I, I would Let's agree with that. that. <laughs> Maybe he's 36. I could be wrong. But um, Philip Lindsay was in the mix. Philip Lindsay in the mix. He kind of a couple rabbit punches, and and unfortunately for Mr. Lindsay, it was right in front of an official, so he gets disqualified from the game. I I know Lindsay has played really well in the first two weeks, but I'm not ready to say that was going to be the dif- difference in this game. I think uh, Denver just did not have anything uh, after those initial drives, and uh, Denver it should also be noted. Uh, they're banged up in their secondary. Adam Jones suffered a thigh injury. He left the game. Cornerback Jermaine Brock also got hurt in this game, injured his groin. So the Broncos um, come down to earth a little bit, and the Ravens, again, they just look – I think they're going to be in the mix this year. I think this, is this to me, looks like a, a good team. Let me ask you one question because I saw that at the end of the third quarter, Denver had more penalty yards than passing yards. Whew. That Keenum at one point had 56 yards, two passes knocked down, three sacks, and a fumble before throwing a pick. The one thing about Case Keenum in week one and two, weeks one and two is that he's he's had these turnovers, but he's battled back and he's shown no fear of still making tight window passes, and some of them have worked out. What happened today? Was it more Baltimore's defense? Because the, the the turnaround never happened for him. I think it is what it is. Like like I think a lot of people thought this that Keenum in a perfect situation last year played the best football of his life, but this is kind of who Case Keenum is. If you lower the talent level around him, if you, if you ramp up the defenses, you put him on the road, that you're going to get kind of a hot and cold performance, and that's what you got from Keenum on Sunday. I don't. I think that's fair. You're not saying he's going to be a disaster and an no. awful signing, just that he's not going to carry an offense well, and he's going to make some mistakes. They, right. they've had, they used to have a difference-making defense, obviously, right. and every year it gets slightly worse. And now they're at the point where – I think you have to wonder, is the defense an asset or a liability? Are they are they an average defense? And I don't see the the equation for the Broncos to make the playoffs or be good if they're uh, average or below average defense. They need the defense to be better. And there was a lot of – oh. Lock it up. Uh-oh. Wes is on fire early on. I liked your move here too because you took the Broncos the first two weeks of the season, right? 
Yeah, I'm having like a Miami Dolphins level September here. A little, <laughs> you got a little Mercury Morris thing going on right now. You're one win away. No, I meant this September. year's Dolphins. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Listen, the record's the record. <laughs> so you didn't mean 17 and 0. You uh, meant three and three. That's going to turn into got like a eight, seven eight. hour game yeah. in the hottest game against the Titans <laughs> in history, and then squeaked by the Jets, squeaked by the Raiders. Hey, we're we're all nice good. Job. You're doing a nice job so far, Wes. You're three and zero in the locks, which leads the way, and I believe. ATN Lock It Up, the Twitter handle said you are the uh, first member of our team to ever start mm. 3-0 and to a season. So That's that's ominous. <laughs> it usually does turn around on in, you. In the, in the, like, you know, vaunted three-year history. Of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Two-year even? Did we start? No, no, no I think it's three. Here's Greg's move. No, 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 no. Do not diminish the contest. I'm not. I'm saying the third year. This is the first time we did it from week one on, though. We're in at least the third year, Greg. It's only the second. Just because you didn't win and you're not winning this year. Well, I know winter is coming was two years ago. Right, but we didn't start the season. That was my point. The trophy was handed out for the first time at Super Bowl 52. And Erica Tamposi, the loose cannon behind the glass. Hey, guys. That, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Um, remember, we will need a trophy to be handed out after Super Bowl 53 as well. Of course. Yeah. This no time question. to one person, and I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> and I would say budget, I don't know, a million dollars? Yeah, for the trophy. Let's get, what, let's get the 283 diamonds, Robert Kraft style, on this sucker. Let's move on. Newton fakes a flip, goes back left side, caught Anderson with blockers. 20 to the 10. Pylon, left side. Touchdown! He had a police escort all the way down the well sideline. Well done, young man! Well done, young man! WCKY, Dan Horde, Dave Lapham. How about that? There you go. Cam Newton threw for two touchdowns, ran for two more. Christian McCaffrey racked up a career-high 184 yards on the ground. And the Carolina Panthers took care of the Bengals, gave them their first loss of the season, a 31-21 victory uh, for Carolina. Mark Sessler, is it true? Is it really true? Inquiring minds want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. Can Christian McCaffrey run between the tackles? I, I spotted that today. He did that effectively. And that trope, if that's a, a question slash trope, uh, has been answered. He looked the part today, finally. Finally, are you, are you, you say. Well, no, He's this – the tackles question. He had never crossed 100 yards on the ground my, in his career. He, I just looked now looked at the today. box score and my eyes popped out of my head. I was not expecting to see 28 for 184 for Christian McCaffrey. They really rode him. He, he The offense went right through him today, and this was a bit of a white-knuckle affair. It's one of those games where you're in the third quarter, and when we're writing these things up, I'm like, I have no concept of what to write about in this game because it's sort of so blasé. But then it took shape because what happened, I thought – was that the, 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 the Bengals, whose offense I still believe in, they, they were without Joe Mixon today, and A.J. Green left with a groin injury in the, early in the second half, and they really were limited at that point what they could do. And you look at Dalton, he had four picks, and you can say utter disaster. Two of them were late game sort of heaves that were not really part of what happened earlier on. He had some nice drives too, but the problem with the Bengals is they were basically, I thought, overpowered down the stretch by a newcomer, two of them in Carolina, Effie Obata, the yeah, Nigerian-born, London-sourced. Nigerian Nightmare 2.0? I will tell you something. This guy was a house on fire. He generated a strip sack that went back into the Bengals' possession after review, but then caught an interception that went through a pile of people, and then a late-game sack that detonated Andy Dalton, really put this game out of hand. And then you've got Dante Jackson, the rookie cornerback, who has three picks in two, of, in two weeks, two of them coming today, and those turnovers – ultimately undid the Bengals. Who, When you get Andy Dalton, he's going to turn the ball over four times. Mm. When I'd say two of them were genuinely meaningful, 
that changed this game because the Panthers just had too much going on with Cap McCafferty and then Cam Newton, who looks, I think to me, slimmer and faster and more spry than he has in a while. Credit to Henry Hodgson, who was out there personally bird-dogging, scouting F.A. Obata <laughs> throughout his college career and through London. It, it's a, an amazing journey if you don't know his backstory. It's who? One, Handsome Hank? Ob- Obata. <laughs> yeah. Hank. Equally amazing. And, and for this Oxford journey. Oxford to and, Los Angeles. And I think he's been, you know, within the NFL since 2015. And this was his first game. It's called the International so Player Pathway, I believe. The, the path that he took. Hank bankrolls it himself. Right. Personally. I mean, it's a pretty incredible thing that this is the, his first snaps he ever got, just 19 snaps in this game, and he ends up making that crazy of an impact, maybe a little game ball action. Just You're going to give it to him? I'm, I'm saying he should have. He think probably he, did get it. That power? He, he earned it. He, it. It was kind of incredible to watch him just make the – I think he, even on the sideline, they showed, cut to him a couple times and he was laughing wildly. I think he had – he was probably surprised by what was happening. The the Panthers and North Turner deserve some credit. I, I kind of mentioned that let's get this running game going on the last show. They do lead the league in yards per carry before this game, and that's largely because of Cam Newton. But Cam Newton is a part of their running attack, and so they are kind of getting back to the what Ron Rivera wants, especially with this but It also left me a little concerned about Cincinnati's front seven, which I think is a good front seven, but then they got slashed the way they did today. It was – not what you want out of out of that defense. Well, you mentioned the NFL Pathway program. Is it time to check in? And now another edition of Keeping Up with Bowen. Anybody have anything? I don't have a lot on that player that we're that we're discussing. Mobo? All right, we don't. We actually don't have. We anything. got nothing. And that was Keeping Up with Bowen. That was another edition of Keeping Up with Bowen. Henry's going to kill <laughs> Anything else from this game? You were like a one-man good it, cop, bad cop. Yeah, it's the like, international it was player, like so. literally after maybe the nicest moment in NFL international player history, and then you just had to take it down. <laughs> I got one now, and you, you paint it like that. Wow. You know. There are at least like four or five weeks per season where I think Ron Rivera is one of the most underrated coaches in the league. Give him some mm, riverboat. He's been there for a long time, and they're usually in the playoffs. By the way, Obata did get the game ball. And Whoa, Greg. And his uh, his teammates seem to be loving it just as much. Look at that. <laughs> Rosenthal vindicated in a huge spot. Uh, let's move on. Calls out the signals. Takes the snap. Back to throw. Steps up. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown, Giants. Sterling Shepard. Bob. Bob Papa. WFAN with the call. Eli Manning threw for 297 yards and two touchdowns, and Saquon Barkley added a touchdown of his own as the got their first win of the season, a 27-22 conquest over the winless Houston Texans. Greg Rosenthal, the Giants were inept on offense in the first two weeks. What changed here? They had a great game plan. Eli Manning got the ball out quickly. Yeah, he did. Especially to Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard. Not a lot deep down the field, but at least in stride. Gave them a place, chance to make plays after the catch. But what really struck me was a third and one play late in the fourth quarter where the Giants had gone about four or five straight drives where they hadn't done anything. They looked like they did a week ago again. And you have Saquon Barkley lined up as a wide receiver in an empty set on third and one. And that's the matchup that Eli Manning chooses to go to is Saquon Barkley on a linebacker way out wide. Barkley beats him easy, gets the first down. They wind up scoring the touchdown that puts the game away. And I just thought like, 
Last year's Giants aren't doing that. And for one week, at least, Giants fans got to see uh, a different vision of the Giants that would be a lot more fun to watch. In the afterglow of this event, are you finally ready to put Eli Manning where he belongs in Canton? Well, he has to wait <laughs> five years after his career is over to do that. He and did I'm beat the 2018 Texans. Right, right, like just like the Titans <laughs> have. And, you know. Barkley took too much criticism last week. I thought he made the first guy miss almost every time. And he looked solid in this game. It was a lot more four or five-yard runs, which I think the Giants will be really happy to see rather than you know a lot of short ones in and, big plays. And just like – same with, I was saying with Eli last week, he played poorly the first two weeks, but that offensive line was so not even competitive, I thought, for stretches of the first two games. Eric Flowers got himself benched in this game. It sound, I mean, didn't, by didn't, the sounds of it, maybe. He did, well, before the game. Yeah, before the game, he, he got benched for Chad Wheeler, I believe, and right. J.J. Watt. Got to make that move when you can. J.J. Watt came in and just destroyed Wheeler. He abused him. Throughout the game. That's Eric Flowers maybe will be back in next week. Which made, made our, our buddy Chris – Wesleyan looks smart, who's been honking about J.J. Watt's about to go on a sack streak, and all he did was get three sacks, a tackle, four tackles for loss, I think, in this game, a forced fumble. He had a monster game, but it wasn't enough. Well, thanks to the mind of Dan Hansis, our hot takes are accountable now. Oh, accountable hot takes every Tuesday on the Around the NFL Twitter show, new one coming up on uh, 4.30 Eastern, 1.30 Pacific on Twitter. Uh, yes, Wes has an accountable hot take that involves J.J. Watt going nuts over the next month. But this is you know, what we talked about all summer. Texans were a boomer bust team, and it is bust. 0-3, there's no coming back, history tells us, mm. from 0-3. And, the, and, and Deshaun Watson's a part of it, uh, Greg. Uh, I, I was seeing a lot of tweets out there that he was struggling again, at least early on. Early on especially, and this has been a pattern where he – uh, in week one, that this was the case, and then in this game as well, where the only plays they were making were if he was just back behind the offensive line for seven seconds kind of improvising. There was very little on schedule. He just wasn't very accurate, but the running game was really killed him. Lamar Miller had 10 carries for 10 yards. I feel like last year Oof. we knew that line was not good, but somehow Deshaun Watson spun magic and was able to get away from pressure and make these incredible plays against teams that had no tape on him perhaps, but – the line now, from what little I'm seeing of the Texans this week and the last two weeks, the line is going to doom them. It, it's hurt them. I don't know if that was it today, but to your point, they were running all sorts of creative, crazy stuff last year with Deshaun Watson. Everyone remembers that, right? And this year you kind of just look at them and they're running a regular NFL offense and it's not the same. Bill O'Brien's butt might be getting hot soon. A little warm. There were expectations in that town, and they are not. Just got an extension. Yeah, he just. He signed later than any coach in the NFL except for Gruden. He just made the power move where he got his own GM signed, too. So you would think. You would think he'd be okay. But got to win some games. They've been in each one of these games. That's what it's about. Mark, that's what it's about. Win ball games. That is the structure here. That's That's the ultimate barometer in the National Football League is do you win football games? You are what your record says you are. I mean, suddenly we're winning games in Central Queens, but that's that's a separate issue. It's not about how many lollipops you can collect. Let's move on. Play action fake. He's got time. He's floating it down the middle, looking for Richardson at the 10. Goes down at the 5 pop and into the end zone for a Redskins touchdown. What a pass and catch, and Richardson went down at the 1 and rolled over into the end zone for the score. Larry Michael, WTEM with the call. Adrian Peterson ran for 120 yards and a pair of two-yard touchdowns. Al Smith threw two touchdown passes, including that dime you just heard to Paul Richardson. And the Washington Redskins held on 31-17, a victory over Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And, uh, gentlemen, this game uh, featured a Packers team that I did not like watching very much. 
I did not like watching Aaron mm. Rodgers on a bad knee that's not getting better and a bad hamstring. Uh, out there looking like he's 1976 Joe Namath. He just couldn't move. He's <laughs> like the Tin Man. 76. Stop. And, and I, I mean, I, just <laughs> watch the game. Bad, was it? it was bad. And that's what's wor- what's kind of sneaky great about Rodgers and what's been what's makes him so special is not just his accuracy and his arm strength and the swagger, which is all, uh, you know, top of the list, but also his maneuverability and how easily he moves in and out of traffic and how he could pick up yardage with his legs and create time. And that stuff he's still able to do on some level, but it's becoming more and more compromised the more his body gets beat up. Uh, and so are you saying they should sit him? No, I, I wouldn't go that far. Although, let's see, how bad is his hamstring? He just wasn't moving well. I think he gives them a better chance – to win even in this state than Deshaun Kaiser. So the answer would be no. But uh, the other problem is when Rodgers is not 100%, you need the guys around him to step up. And this was a really poor performance by his skill position players Mm. around him. I'll I'll single out um, two guys. Uh, Tight end Lance Kendricks had a killer, terrible, pathetic drop on a beautiful dime pass uh, from Rodgers uh, that he put right on the money. Would have been about a 40-yard gain. This is right when the Packers are trying to get some momentum going. They're playing from behind in this whole game. And Ken- Kendricks kind of looks it into his hands and never has good grip on it and drops it. And then Randall Cobb, who used to be a rising star in this league, and you know he was out on the trade market reportedly over the summer, again, was not helping the team in this game. He had a, he had a drop. He had a fumble. Uh, just not a guy that's making plays. Uh, another relatively quiet game for Jimmy Graham. Devontae Adams uh, did some nice things. Geronimo Allison had a, a nice deep ball uh, touchdown. But other than that, this the skill players let Rodgers down. Uh, so they're kind of in a weird spot right now. Cobb with four catches off 11 targets. I know there were some drops in there, like you said. I yeah. saw the Adrian Peterson highlights, and it looked like 2012 Adrian Peterson. He looks awesome. There was one play. Jump cuts were really explosive. Yeah, there was one jump cut where it it really did look like 2012 Peterson, where he did a jump cut, got to the outside, and then went up the sideline for about 30 yards. He was at 85 yards midway through the second quarter. He slowed down a little bit in the second half, but still went for 120. One of the touchdowns should not have counted, but the referees got it wrong on the field, and there was such a dog pile that you couldn't even overturn it. But, Wes, you're right just like you were right when you called it before the season started. Peterson is a major asset for this team, and they're leaning hard on him. They leaned on him to close out the game, which he helped do. Uh, And this was just another also good game for Alex Smith, who is just so splendidly consistent in his goodness. Never greatness, but just goodness. He moves the team. He gets gets the ball in the right people's hands. So Only had to throw the ball 20 times, which is if you're Jay Gruden, you're – you're loving that. And the Redskins are a reminder. It's so early. All these teams are just forming, and we're trying to figure out. The Redskins basically had perfect week one and week three in a disastrous week two. Yeah, week two is the week that I decided to lock up this team <laughs> and sandwich two awesome games right. around an utter dud against the Colts. But you're looking for things that will last. And Peterson, that's something they have to be really excited about. And then Jonathan Allen, that kid's a ball player. He's I mean, <laughs> now, two more two more sacks today, and that's something. Okay, we got we got a real difference maker in the middle of their line. And finally, almost impossibly, we're gonna have to talk about this again. Clay Matthews breaks through the line, uh, makes a beeline for the quarterback, uh, goes shoulder to the side, hits him uh, right center square in the chest. 
kind of goes down hard because that's what happen, happens when professional athletes collide at a high rate of speed. And then raises his hands even as he's like coming off Alex Smith just to ensure he doesn't get a flag. Even exaggerates it. I did not try to – here comes the flag. And again, and this is infuriating, the de- NFL makes the unusual step to reach out to the broadcast to immediately back the official's call saying he put all or some of his body weight – onto the quarterback, so that was a good call that we back, which is baloney, bad job by the NFL, and look at uh, the way t- Twitter reacts and the bad vibes that, that this is creating. Here's what Clay Matthews had to say after the latest issue. Unfortunately, this league's going in a direction I think a lot of people don't like. Um, you know, I think they're getting soft, and you know, the only thing hard about this league are, is the fines that they levy down on guys like me who play the game hard. I have to give Clay Matthews credit. He actually restrained himself where I think a lot of people uh, would go nuts in that situation. Mike McCarthy did, almost got kicked out of the I game. tweeted that I thought he w- was like a man trapped in a Kafka novel at this point because two weeks in a row in this in these questionable environment. This one today, he even went up to Alex Smith and said, I'm sorry, what else could I have possibly done there? The, the soft argument is going to go nowhere. And this is – all corners of the country are criticizing the NFL for being soft, for trying to take hitting out of the game. Stop. It's never going to go anywhere. They're trying to make the game as safe as possible. That that argument is going to be left behind. It's never going to work. Take the argument that the role is confusing and it puts it's defensive players in a bad spot. You have to know what you're allowed to an do. An impossible st- spot. Yeah, I think that's that's the problem. It's not the soft thing. The, the, all the defenders wait on the quarterback rule. It's funny how that slipped so much under the radar compared to the helmet rule in the preseason. Right. That's the source of all of these problems, really. I, the, the the time where they're roughing the passer and they're hitting the helmet, and generally I agree with all of those calls. This seems like an impossible rule to officiate. Yeah. Isn't it, if we're there. going for safety, when they teach you how to tackle when you're young, like what this hit today on Alex Smith was not a dangerous hit. So what? So something's lost here in translation. Just, didn't Ron Payne pick up Rodgers and body slam him in this game and not get a penalty called? Well, that's uh, the thing. That happens a couple times. You can pick out four or five times that happens throughout the week that doesn't get called. In Clay it. Matthews actually sought out Alex Smith after the game. Exactly. And asked, hey, did that seem bad to you? Because he's as lost as everyone else. Well, you're having quarterbacks now, situation. and it's happened last week. It's going to happen again. Coming out almost in defense of the players, tackling them, saying, we, ag- we agree with you. And I will say this, just so everyone knows, that, that, that in this case, last week the bad call against um, Clay Matthews cost the Packers a win. In this case, it didn't affect the outcome. It led to a punt anyway, but still, terrible job. Uh, let's hear from our sponsors. Oh, yeah. With smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping, Mack Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. Not only do Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well, too. Perfect for working out, going to work, going out on dates, just everyday life. Do you agree, Mark? I mean, let's be honest here. We were given a chance to purchase just a little tiny item or two from this 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 place. Who's we? I, I wasn't aware Well, of you you just missed the email. You, the are, email. you are invited. I got an incredible hoodie. Um, that showed up at my door four or five days later very quickly and a pair of underwear that I just walked around the house for two days because it's like I suddenly looked uh, awesome. I looked awesome. Are you wearing a hoodie and underpants? Yeah. That's how the, <laughs> the, the you, that's how you recovered from the blood clots so quickly. That uh, Those underpants are magic. I mean, I, it was just a stunning look, and I'm going to continue to uh, to harbor It's a wildly like sexually provocative outfit for you to be walking I mean, around. no, I was in my house alone. You're like an ailing superhero. 
You're like Tom Cruise in Risky Business, and you're like the sliding on the socks. And <laughs> not, the unlike on. like, not unlike Daddy, that. Daddy, what are you doing? <laughs> no, the children were not there. They did not see this. For 20% off your first so obviously this is a good product. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code around at checkout. That That's MacWeldon.com and enter promo code around at checkout for 20% off your first order. I got to get in on that. Let's move on. Here we go. This is going to be the Hail Mary play because they put in Jacoby Brissett, who has the big arm. Brissett, deep drop, looking, scrambles, throws out to the right side, looking, still looking, sets up, heaves it towards the end zone. Here's a Hail Mary, and it is batted down and incomplete, and that's the ball game. WIP Merrill Reese with the call. Carson Wentz threw a touchdown pass. Uh, his first drive in nine months, Wendell Smallwood ran in. Uh, ran it in from the four-yard line to put the Eagles ahead for good, and they uh, won 20-16 to over the Colts. The Eagles needed to come from behind in this one, surviving a final Hail Mary attempt by, as you heard it, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, they moved to 2-1 and one on the season. West. what was uh, Wentz's rust level on this one? He came out and had an impressive first drive. Um, I think 12 plays, about 75 yards. Led him on a touchdown drive, showed escapability. Um, you know how Carson Wentz is. He's going to run into some sacks because he keeps plays alive, and he's going to get out of some sacks because he has that Houdini-like escapability. He showed all that. For the middle part of the game, second, third, beginning of the fourth quarters, the defense, the offense got shut down. Uh, he came through aided by some Colts penalties, one that was especially uh, a head-scratcher on Jabal sheer defensive holding at the line of scrimmage that helped them convert a third down and get into uh, the end zone to take the lead late in the game. Sort of a mixed bag for, for Carson Wentz. For Andrew Luck, we've commented that he's looked better, I think, on tape than his 5.9 yards per attempt through two weeks probably indicated. But how did he look today? The numbers are even worse, four yards per attempt. A career low four yards per attempt. And I think if you entered this game and you thought, okay, he's got the – lowest depth of target in the league, which means he's not passing deep at all because it's good coaching. Their left tackle's out. Their skill position, skill position talent isn't very good. They have no running game. Get the ball out quickly. And then on the final, here's the facts in this game. He's got a, less than 100 yards late in the game. Like middle of the fourth quarter, he doesn't even have 100 yards. Their best play is Luck throwing it a rainbow and then T.Y. Hilton getting defensive pass interference, which happened a couple, couple of times in this game. And then down the stretch – it's weird how narratives go because if T.Y. Hilton locates a fade pass and they take the lead, we never see this final desperation drive when he's checking down the whole time, never trying to threaten down the field. He's just checking down. They get the midfield, almost midfield. They bring in Jacoby Brissett for the Hail Mary, and everyone's wondering what's wrong with Andrew Luck's arm. I think, it, to me, that's a sure sign that Reich is admitting Andrew Luck's arm isn't where it needs to be. Maybe – Maybe he's not Chad Pennington. Maybe he's still working back to get that arm strength. But no other no other quarterback in the league gets pulled in this situation. Here, I mean, they're not concerned about yeah, his let volume. Me, let's just hear, let's sure. hear uh, sure. Luck, what he said about this. Look, Jacoby has a stronger arm than I do. I mean, it, that's it's sort of what I see in practice. And you can ask, you know, the coach obviously thinks, Coach Wright obviously thinks that as well. Uh, and I'll keep working on getting my arm to where, you know, where it, 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 maybe it can hit an 80-yard throw <laughs> throw from the minus 30. But, no, I think it was, I, you know, no qualms with, with that decision. Yeah. I'll say this. As much as that Hail Mary, what bothered me was the plays before that. There were 43 seconds left. 
he could have worked down for he could have worked down to get the ball down the field and instead he was just taking easy checkdowns for four or five yards no desire whatsoever to, to test the Eagles down the field. I mean, they can't be concerned at all about his durability or status physically right now. He threw the ball 53 yards in the opener, 31 last week, 40 today. They're a very weird offense. They don't have a running back cross 19 yards today, and they don't have a receiver go for more than 50. It just seems like Reich is having to work with what he has with Andrew Luck and the surrounding cast right now. And we've thought that they've been scrappy, and they were scrappy. They had a lead in Philadelphia in the fourth quarter, and yet you come out of this game, I think if you're an Eagles fan, you feel pretty great that you only gave up 209 yards, the defense is rounding into shape, and you have Carson Wentz back, and you're 2-1. and one. Like, you're you got okay. through this yeah. part of the okay. season. How about Darius time. Leonard? Darius Leonard and Marcus Hunt, both extremely impressive again this week. Let's move on to the Battle of Los Angeles. Goff takes this snap. Well protected, it breaks down. He wants to run. Now throws right side. Cooper Cup behind the defense and caught at the 30. Gets through an ankle tackle at the 20. Wow. Cup's going to go. Touchdown, LA. Uh, JB Long. Ooh, jaunty. And that was MJD with, oh, wow. KSPN with the call. Jared Goff threw for 354 and three touchdowns, including that connection with Cooper Cup, leading the Rams to a 35 23 win over the Chargers who simply could not keep up with the best offense in the NFC. Greg, typical Bolts game for me. They move the ball on offense, make plays to stay in the game, but they make some mistakes also, and you can't do that against the Rams in their building. No, they were playing the best overall team in the league right now, and and the Rams are just so hard to stop that every possession that they don't score a touchdown feels like such a win for the defense. It's such a surprise. And I'm really surprised that this was the week where the conversation for whatever reason became, is Jared Goff a system quarterback or is he something else? For some reason that was on every show this week, but why this week? Because he's coming off the best three game stretch, maybe of his career. He looks awesome. This was one of the best games of his career. He had one interception, which, you know, he'd like to get back. But other than, that he's been playing great over the last couple of weeks, especially today, fitting the ball into tight windows. Him and Robert Woods have such a great connection, and Brandon Cooks has rounded out this offense that they are just so tough to stop that they line up with the same personnel every freaking snap all season, basically, but they do it in such different ways that no one has any idea how to stop it. Yeah, until it changes, I'm going to enter every week assuming that the Rams have an unfair advantage due to Sean McVay's beautiful mind. Right. <laughs> in continuity in players, like the top two rated tackles in, in football this week in terms of pass protection were the Rams' two tackles, according to Pro Football Focus. So you, you can't run on this team. That's the, that's the idea is that you should be able to, but when you really look at it, it's Brock, Sue, and Donald next to each other, and it's hard to find a weakness it, unless – Akib Talib and Marcus Peters are both seriously hurt. They both left this game, uh, Peters with a calf injury, Talib with an ankle, and so that that's got to be uh, making Vikings fans feel a little better. That's a short week. I, I I'm annoyed by the golf narrative because the team itself, and I feel like they're really on. McVeigh is really honest about where the offense is. He does maybe give everyone credit and not himself, but. They talked about Goff becoming an extension of the coaching staff. I feel like he's someone that's grown and made leaps and bounds from last year, and he's a warning to any team that has a young quarterback and doesn't want to surround them with the best possible offensive coaches, which some teams seem to not do. Meanwhile, with the Chargers, I am sorry, I cannot at this point sit through many more weeks of this. I have Chargers exhaustion. (laughs) It is every week. I get 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 that that it's the Rams this week, so fair enough. 
It is the same well, bad game over and over. They need Joey Bosa back, and they also – well, lock this one up. Needed that W. Mm. Moved to one and two. But um, they really – uh, they they need Joey Bosa back, and they just got to clean it up on spe- special teams. But, yeah, right. They, I, they guess what? Not holding point. my breath. They miss <laughs> an extra point, and uh, they also get a, a punt blocked in the end zone. Derwin James had a great uh, red zone interception and then foolishly tried to run it out and got forced out at the one-yard line, Yikes. which led to two re- runs that almost ended in a safety and then uh, a blocked punt. So. Uh, they just make those mistakes, and they just they were outclassed. I mean, McVay's not the only difference-making coach on this team. Wade Phillips obviously is as well. And then John Fossil is a monster advantage. Yeah, he is. I mean, you, you come up with a block punt. You you find this return guy. What was his name last week? Jo- Jojo Natson. Jojo Natson, who looks like the second coming of you know Eric Metcalf, and he was their backup that because they're replacing another Pro Bowl return of Farrell Cooper. It's like, I don't know what <laughs> – I don't know what Fossil does. Someone should just hire him to be their head coach because at least you get his special. How about this for a hot take? You could replace John Fossil with <laughs> former 2020 correspondent John Stossel, and you'd still make the Chargers special teams look bad. Just put Stossel in there for the Rams, and he'd scheme away to take advantage of what the, the Chargers NFL, do. The NFL in the interest. John Stossel, you the out giant there? Stossel take right there. In the interest <laughs> of helping the Los Angeles market, <laughs> should give that. John Fossil to the Chargers. Stop. No, enough. Keep John Fossil where he is so he can do what he does best. Chargers, figure your own issues out. It is exhausting to watch this team right now. You know what they could do? Hire John Stossel. That's an answer. (laughs) Next. Shotgun snap. They come after Rosen. Back to throw. Fires right side. It is intercepted at the 32-yard line. That was an easy pick in front of Christian Kirk by Bryce Callahan. With 1-10 to go in the game, the Bears take over, leading 16-14. That's a disappointment from Dave Pash of KTAR. Josh Rosen replaced a battered and ineffective Sam Bradford, but he wasn't enough to spark the Cardinals, who fell to 0-3 after a 16-14 loss to the Bears. Uh, Chicago was down 14-zip in the second half, but Mitch Trubisky led a touchdown drive, two field goal drives as well to pull it out. Mark Sessler, the Bears, of course, are the team of around the NFL, but you were grumbling throughout the afternoon about their quarterback. Well, I think the team's quarterback is Khalil Mack, mm. who once again was the most dominant strategy. player on, on the team. Well, it is an interesting strategy. I don't know where they'd be without him right now. You mean like figuratively? Figuratively, oh, okay. not literally. I haven't watched yes. the game. Yeah, okay. no, he, he, did not, he did not come in on offense. I – I, they're, they're just tough for me to watch. I really enjoy the fact that they're – I think for Bears fans, number one, you're 2-1. and one, You're probably like, shut up right now. We haven't been 2-1 and one in a 1,000 years. We'll take it. We'll march on. This was a white-knuckle affair. It was, you know, two teams trying to figure each other out. But the Bears offense, to me, it's like you're going you're, – we're going to see this game over and over. It is a very talented, stacked defense that probably in the locker room has to be asking themselves, what on earth do we need to do more? They're one of these defenses to get our offense to compliment us. And it's, it, it, I just wonder, and it's, it is too early to say, and I got killed before the season for sharing my concerns about Nobody Trubisky. Nobody killed you, by the way. Well, no, it was like, oh, I don't, that's killed. just not a fair question. It's like, listen, no, I, I, I just – All right, well, I am now legit concerned because I just wonder if he is a – I knew that was on what? your mind No, because it's like it, – That's he a, why you're so mad. Is he a breakout proof? <laughs> I don't proof? even remember it. I just wonder if he's a breakout proof quarterback because I'm just watching someone who has 
accuracy issues that show up over and over in the game. I love him when he's mobile and he's running, but you, that cannot be what Mitch Trubisky offers you a quarterback. That's I, I'm really concerned at this point, and I think they sh- I, like, they've got nice parts around him to some degree. I, I totally believe in the coaching staff, but you're, they, everyone who wanted to think you're going to get Sean McVay and Jared Goff part two, well, you don't have that, and you, that's, that's not, not happening, happening in, the, in the next month or two and what happened this season. What did happen in the offseason, Mark, you were, you were saying – should we be nervous about Trubisky? And I, what I think the rest of the room said was, maybe it's not going to be uh, Jared Goff, uh, Sean McVay, part two, but he was being coached by John Fox and friends last year. It was right. almost like you got to like John Fox and friends. That's pretty good. You almost, almost had to throw it out. Uh, but now that we have a little bit more data with a new staff and an offensive-minded head, uh, head coach who is really well thought of, now I think it's fair if you're a Bears, Bears fan, and it's still early, but to be a little bit nervous about Trubisky and whether he can hack it for a team that's looking to compete for the playoffs. Yeah, I think what I noticed in the first two weeks was his footwork is an issue, especially on intermediate and deep throws. And you're right, Mark, when he's on the run, that's when he's a good quarterback. But what about in the pocket? Like that, that's all fine. But they were down 14, nothing on the road and they won the game. And like bears have not had many seasons where you could be anything but thrilled with a win. And I do think first place, it is a team sport here. And I think the bears are going to be an interesting team in the mix. Yeah, they might be their quarterback is not going to be their strongest position, but they were able to get out of that hole, eventually turn it around by shutting down Sam Bradford, getting some turnovers, setting up their offense and making the plays at the end. So at, you have this new coaching staff, and for the first time in for a while, even if Trubisky's struggling, it's like, all right, these are real signs of progress. Well, I'll, I'll give that. Like I said, they're 2-1, and one, and if you're a Bears fan, you've been in the, in the dark ages for so long that you, you don't want to hear negativity coming off a game like this. At the same time, it's just that I, this is the thing. You traded up for Mitch Trubisky. You, you, yep. This is the guy that you scouted and yep. said he can be it with this great class coming you out You thought he was year. better than Patrick Mahomes. Exactly. And I just – that's there's a lingering sort of feeling of deceit. Like, I'm a little concerned if I'm a Bears fan outside of a fascinating defense. Um, was thinking about – you know, sometimes I try to bring things back. Thinking of bringing something back. You ready? Go. Right, ready? Is it – okay, let's go. <laughs> what, do you want to guess? Is It's somehow Josh Rosen really. Uh, you ready? The Bears. <laughs> no. No. It's not. Haven't no. you been doing that on this, this podcast this. for a while? Okay, okay I'll try. How about this? How about this? Ditka. <laughs> Bringing those back. All right, I, fine. How about I just don't feel like it's got, No, that, that is another phrase that has not gone away for it to come back. It's well, not gone away long enough. Why did we think about putting Josh Rosen in down two points with just over two minutes left? I've seen a lot of criticism like, oh, you're putting him in such a bad spot. What are you talking about? Sam Bradford was dreadful for three straight quarters. Give the kid a shot. He's going to be starting. Did you see what happened? Well, in that's the fine. No problem what's, with it. What's wrong with that? You tried to give your team a spark because Bradford was a lifeless. Do we have to do this every time some uh, a quarterback comes into a game? Like examine every facet right. of it. I like, think it's fine. Didn't great. work out. He got the guy got yanked because he deserved to get yanked, and they put in the rookie. You couldn't beat the Bears. Don't get upset about it. It just was. It was look at Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. You put the kids in that you think could be the friend. That worked out pretty well, Dan. Whatever, bro. Ooh. I'm just saying. Oh whatever. no, he did unnecessary, it. Mark. Now I'm put. I'm pushing back my reading of your long form one more week. Oh, it will survive. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Stops, looks to the end zone, fires down the middle, ball tipped We're up. We're up to 14 days. Ball is the intercepted by the Seahawks. <laughs> is it not? No. Yes. No. Show me, Mr. Official. Yes. Earl Thomas. Very polite. Steve, 
Rabel with the call. K-I-R-O. Earl Thomas's fourth quarter interception, his second of the game. Huge play. Both of them. Seahawks 24-13 win over the Cowboys. Thomas now has three picks in three weeks despite missing all of training camp in the preseason during a contract holdout and now, from what we're understanding, a regular season hold-in, whatever that means. Anyway, Wes, both teams finished with about 300 yards of total offense, but Seattle got a win they desperately needed. I think this is creative. Like, if the NFL players aren't going to get guaranteed contracts and you're as good as Earl Thomas is and you've meant as much to that franchise as he is and you don't want to pay him, He's having a hold-in. He doesn't want to put his body in danger during the week. He said after the game, even if I have a headache, if I'm not 100%, I'm not practicing. And then he goes out and he's the best player on the field during the game. And everyone seemed to – no one seemed to have a problem with it, at least during the game. Even the coaches are – you know, everyone's slapping. Everybody should have a hold-in. Nobody needs to practice. No, I don't – I don't I think, think it's a creative – let's all, let's all break all the rules it's because a we're a superstar. solution. Okay, whatever. Pay him. You're, you're not Pay happy. him or you trade him. Like Why don't they trade him then? I, it's a, I do like the phrase hold in, though. I think Jay Glazer that came like. up with that. It's is that. it like a – I would does say – Does he sleep in a bed with Yoko Ono? Like what What does this – what does it entail? Wouldn't, wouldn't you prefer this than Le'Veon Bell holding out? Like to me, at least he's showing up there on game day. He's either trade him or pay him. He's he getting creative. It. I mean, it's kind of amazing that he did this oh, in the week that they were perfect. playing against the Cowboys. That he picks off two passes against the Cowboys, and then he gestures to the Cowboys sideline after one of the picks, which was basically a gesture he explained as, "If you wanted to trade me and extend me, you should have done it." And I'm just like, "Yeah, Earl Thomas is just well, all right. Hold on, right. let's slow down just a little bit though, because gotcha. number one, Earl Thomas and Lev Bell are not the same situation, Lev- but I don't." I don't want to see Lev Bell, and who is a malcontent at this point. All right, I, I just don't like the way that I don't like the whole locker room there to begin with. That Lev Bell, his solution is to simply give zero effort during the week, then roll in on game day, have Earl a nice Thomas. game. No, no, no. I'm talking about in Le- we're saying like extending this to Lev Bell, Earl Thomas. I think. Like, it's someone when they completely redid the whole team, Earl Thomas probably needed to go. I always thought they probably should have traded him and gotten this he, thing done. Lev Bell, I don't agree with he, the idea that we give him, oh, you just rest for six days. Should we and talk about we'll, this game a little bit? Here's an okay. argument, though, yeah. just because the Earl Thomas thing is fascinating. There's a strong argument he's the greatest player in franchise history, and he's still playing great. So it's a unique situation. It's not your normal player. Anything else on the game? Yeah. Well, how about Cowboys this? offense is a mess. Their offensive line got outplayed by the Seahawks' perennially beleaguered offensive line. Dak Prescott, I don't think, has gone over 185 yards in five straight starts. Oof. And yeah. the receivers, you know, this isn't breaking any ground, but they're just not good. They went out and paid Alan Hearns. They paid Terrence Williams, and those guys aren't even part of the offense, really. They have a combined 69 yards, and I think they're taking up about 11 or $12 million. The Cowboys are saying one team in this league is going to win season. the title of the most boring <laughs> offense to watch, and we are surging towards that title. Like, would you guys be cool if Erica was upset about her her working situation and said, I'll be there for the podcast, for the three shows, and maybe for the Twitter show, uh, but I'm not going to be there for any of the pre-production days. I won't help you with anything else because I'm upset with management. Wouldn't I mean, you have an issue with that? If she was the I, I greatest that's, producer I don't buy in that NFL analogy. history yeah, and had been analogy. for four years, that would help her case at least. Well, wait, is the greatest? What, so I'm saying if she had put in great, three the years, greatest player Erica in NFL is history. pretty great. I'm saying so. if she had put in three years where she was the best performer at her job in the entire NFL The best in this history, building. I already then, am. You yeah. are great. But I'm just saying it's so easy for media people to automatically side with the player because that's like the – 
the chivalrous thing to do, it seems to do in our in our business. But sometimes it just strikes me as overly cold business decisions that are put at the expense of your teammates. And that's how this The feels. problem, trying to, to parallel it to us, is that our game day is seven days a week. Oh, yeah. We never turn off. We have <laughs> endless shows, endless media responsibilities. <laughs> you, can't, you can't go dark six days a week like an NFL player. This game was a reminder. I think it's still going to be tough to go to Seattle and win and that they have enough pieces on defense, I think, to give – people problems. Bradley McDougald has been playing great. Bobby Wagner was back out there. We You can't just cross them off, I feel like, for the season. Just. Well, especially when you have the Cowboys offense. If suddenly, you know, the, the, the Packers roll in with the Cowboys offense, they will have a tough time winning there, it's too. It's a good start for the Seahawks. Let's see what happens uh, next week to Sunday Night Football. From the 33-yard line. On a roll. Stafford deep. Got a man. Touchdown. Marvin Jones. Looked like Gilmore was almost expecting it. And the speed of Marvin Jones made him pay. Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels with the call for NBC. Matt Stafford threw two touchdown passes. And the Detroit Lions get a 100-yard rushing game out of Carrion Johnson. Yes, sir. The first since 2013. My goodness. Add to that a great defensive showing by the Lions, and they get their first win of the season, 26-10 over the visiting New England Patriots. A, uh, some surprises on Sunday night, Greg Rosenthal. Uh, surprises throughout Sunday, and here was another one. The Lions just looking like the better team from kickoff to the final gun. Oh, this is another level of surprise that they held the Patriots to 209 yards from scrimmage. I, I certainly, you can imagine before the game, there's scenarios, certainly the Lions can win this game, but to totally dominate it, especially defensively, just has me thinking back to last week's game between the Lions and the 49ers. And I know if you look at the box score, it said the the Lions gave up 30 points. There was a defensive score there. Matt Patricia had Jimmy G scrambled. Last week, and he had Tom Brady and the Patriots receivers pretty scrambled today. They, they just weren't finding open receivers, and the ones that he did find would drops or he'd made bad throws. I, I, go ahead, Mark. Well, I just thought down the stretch, when you we, uh, we're all sitting here watching this game, I'll just play right through it. And you know what? I'm not going to get upset at Erica because she's struggling tonight. This is this is her team, and I, I I will be nothing but nice to you. And although I did notice, and I don't blame you at all, an extra sort of glee and in, in bounce and enjoyment of the second half watching that game because you have sandwiches on the line for the Patriots' demise. And like most of America, I think you would like to see a different Patriots story. It, it's understandable. A different season. Yeah, it's an unpredictable start to the season overall, and it's encased in this game where the final four possessions for New England are punt, punt interception, and knocked out on downs. This game could have gone on for eight more hours and there wouldn't have been a comeback. Nothing was working. Nobody's getting open. Their offense has nobody except Gronk who can beat man coverage. They desperately need Edelman and Josh Gordon, and who knows what you're going to get from Josh and, Gordon. And all right, let's put this in perspective because Patriots' struggles in September have happened through the years. Uh, they have lost two games in a row. That is unusual uh, in the recent history of Belichick and Brady. But – They've also, never been one and two with Brady. They've never the been one and two. Yeah, so this is interesting ground. And what's going to happen now, of course, in the New England area and WEEI and the local radio, everyone's going to go nuts that they don't have enough weapons and then they don't Sky look right. Falling. Sky is falling. And NFL Network and ESPN and everybody's going to go nuts for a whole week. What's wrong with the Patriots? How do the Patriots get right? 
And if history tells us anything, they'll just start steamrolling teams eventually. But it does seem like this team has a lot of work to do right now. They don't seem like, to me, they are nearly as dire straits as everybody last year wondering if they have the worst defense in the league after three games, the 2014 season when the Chiefs took him to the woodshed and everybody, people in that press conference asked Bill Belichick if he was going to bench Tom Brady. Like, this team to me does not feel like it's as much danger as those two teams were. They they have a lot of problems, though. They can't pick up a third and one. The equation going into the year was that the defense is going to need to be better because you're going to start out the season slow offensively. I think they're slower than they would have expected, certainly in this game. But I think Patricia was a huge part of that. But the key is that the defense can't get off the field. They're, they're not bringing a lot to the table. And I talked with you before the game even started, Dan, that they were missing three defensive starters, including their best one, Trey Flowers. And that was going to be a factor. And this is a team with a smaller margin for error. I think they're going to need to win close games. They're going to need to figure out you know, different ways how they won games early on last decade. And so far, they're not coming up with anything. I mean, we know that New England spends the first month constantly adjusting and figuring out who they are. But this is one of the few, even in those other years, you still see the pieces. I look at this New England offense right now, and it, it lacks identity. But the, what other team in the league says, we'll soon have Julian Edelman. And by the way, we just, get, we just got Josh Gordon for like a basket of fruit. And by the way, he could be dominant too. So it's like you're adding two key pieces those, to your offense. To me, those are two huge ifs, though. Can Josh are Gordon, they? Edelman is an if? Edelman is 33 He's and coming, coming off, off an ACL. I mean, there. I thought he looked good in the preseason. I know we're not allowed to point to that. But, you know, <laughs> Josh Gordon it's, well, Josh Gordon, <laughs> Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon is an if if he can't get on the I field. Say, you're the last guy that should pencil I, in Josh I'm Gordon. I'm just saying, if, no? but if, if, if we're talking about the overall experience of Josh Gordon, but if he's, if he's plugged in and he plays yes. week to week, he is not an if. But he those is a are, dominant player. But those are two ifs in the sense of I think the Patriots need help on offense, and you need one if not both of those guys to be them at their themselves at their best. So I think the Patriots, it is a bit of an uneasy time, I think, on the throne of sleaze. Sky's not falling. I'm not, like, like rubbing my hands together like a villain saying this is 8-8 eight eight season. But I think this is a little bit of a shaky start and something to keep an eye on. Here's what I'd say to Patriots fans. Accept a different type of season. Like, maybe I, I almost— Good luck with that. I almost feel guilty, maybe, of how many— incredibly dominant, you know, by years that they've had. But there are all sorts of different ways to have football seasons. And it's not the end of the world if they are 3-3 three and three or they're 4-4 four and four and they're figuring out and they, they try to get deep into the playoffs a different way. Because as a Patriots fan, not a lot of it matters really except the playoffs. It's a very spoiled way to look at it, but it's a long season. And it's okay if you're not looking too great for seven, eight, nine weeks even if you can end up closing. They just, you know, they have a lot to figure okay, out in the meantime. Are you okay, you Erica? That was Erica, I'm fine. I'm okay. Erica had a moderate Twitter meltdown during the game. We watched her through the glass, watched the game. Obviously, a very emotional Patriots fan. Do you? Yeah. We're going to give you the floor. Do you want care to make a statement or deliver some type of missive to the audience? I mean, the Lions outplayed us on both sides of the ball. Matt Patricia outcoached us. Uh, Belichick <laughs> sounding like Belichick. Belichick has been outcoached every game mm. since the divisional round of last year's playoffs. Wow! Whoa. Why don't you hit a Bunsen burner blowtorch? <laughs> I mean, I'm so mad. I'm so mad. I, I mean, that guard. take was so hot. It was a little too hot. I feel like you're saying Doug Marone outcoached them in the AFC Championship game. Yeah. 
entering the game. I love that take. Maybe not throughout the game. I love but what's happening. Feels like they had a better game plan. Bill O'Brien outcoached them in week Erica, one. Erica, tweet that odd. and watch it take off into the sky. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. What, it, what was it I'm that you loved that. about Bill O'Brien's week one performance? I didn't love anything. I'm just saying that to, to Greg, look at Belichick. Take. And I agree with it. To look at Bill Belichick, <laughs> it, it's. Uh, just to Maybe see a little Dan bit. had the wrong gradual decline. Maybe it's Belichick gradual <laughs> I don't know. decline. That Tom Brady's a balloon there uh, on a deep ball of the fourth quarter of this game made me think that maybe I'm finally on the right track. Brady hasn't had a good three games. I think that's, that is the most concerning part of it. Even week one where, where he moved the ball and had an overall good game, he had six or seven incompletes, uh, just inaccurate throws, which you don't see from him. He has not been accurate. I think it does have to do with the pieces around him, but when is the last time we were sitting here, we are mining deep into the second half, he has 90 yards passing. Crazy. Game. Yeah, you could go back. I don't even know if it's ever happened. And shout How out. How about the Dolphins game in December last year? That wasn't quite as bad, but you're right. It was and similar. Shout out happens. to the Lions who got off the mat and Matt Patricia, who really has weathered a storm here to start his career that had to feel good. Uh, I think he probably was hoping that Belichick would maybe give him a little bit of a longer hug. <laughs> Maybe say something encouraging or something congratulatory. But Bill's not going to do that because Bill's not that type of guy. That's not how this Bill's works just, anymore. Uh, uh, and then walk off. But whatever, Bill. But Matt Patricia, your boy, your student, actually beat the pitcher, uh, the teacher. It's a place. massive win for them who shouldn't be thinking their season's over by any means. Oh. Suddenly you're one and two. Suddenly the Giants feel differently about their season. Suddenly the Bills feel differently. It's like – it's not too early to get off. Are the these mat. Lions veterans who were so peaked about having to work hard and suddenly your <laughs> practice is a little tougher? Are we are we thinking maybe they're starting to wake up to this maybe new, this the new world? Will calm down. You can't expect football players to run, Mark. The, uh, my the NFC North, the Bears, great defense, questionable quarterback situation. First place the, around the NFL podcast. The Jeez. Packers, a suspect skill core and also a quarterback that's all beat up. And the Vikings just got waxed at home by the Bills. A NFC North is not a closed book. I'm Jack the Ripper. <laughs> all right. Now, next time you hear from us, we'll be uh, you'll see us. And please do. All we ask with peace and love is that you give our Twitter show a chance. I know it's different than the audio format and all that, but it's um, our Tuesday, 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern, uh, check us out. We'll have Reggie Bush with us. I'm sure we'll touch on whether he's angry that on Johnson has now taken the torch five years later as the last 1,000-yard rusher for the Lions. I'm sure Reggie 100. will fire about it. Oh, yeah, 100-yard. Oh, my God, what a horrible He story. has like 80 other things to brag about. I think yeah. he's fine. So we'll touch base with Reggie on that. Uh, uh, but thank you to everyone for listening. People uh, should really check out Mark's long form. I know we've, pumped, we've mentioned yes. it a little bit, but it – for anyone that's a big enough fan to listen to this show, it really connected with me just growing up being a fan, and I think it's going to do that with anyone that, that listens to it. So I think if you haven't checked it out, please do. I will. I just need a little space. <laughs> direct I wasn't really Dan. directed at Dan. That was more <laughs> listeners. I knew Dan yeah. was sitting it out for a few weeks. Yeah, just about 10 to 12 days. All right. You okay? You okay? Let's go. <laughs> Poor Lisa. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm us. sorry I was a jerk to you. Yeah. Oh, she's hurt. Okay, she let's go. Appropriately hates us. Stan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm. The mailman, the old boss. Oh, I'm Ricky Hollywood. She's had better nights. I've been there, darling. Hang in there. You'll be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Till Tuesday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.